Good morning, everyone. I'm so excited you're here today. You guys didn't go out of town for the weekend. I'm so happy. And if you're out of town, you can also be engaged online right now. So drop down in the comments below if that is you. Well, I'm really excited that we get to honor our class of 2023 today. Does anyone remember that moment? You know, for those of us who are maybe older seniors, do some of us remember the moment we graduated? It was a big deal. Uh, I feel like rings used to be a thing. Am I, am I correct? Like class rings? Anybody have a class ring still? No, okay. Thank you, Sabies, for being honest. Okay, let's be honest. Um, but on your seats this morning, there is a little card, and it's your advice for the class of 2023. What would I tell my 18-year-old self? So please, this is your opportunity to just give some words of wisdom to uh, a really to a class of 2023, to some 18-year-olds, to some people who are ready to just get, get honestly, get out of the house and ready for their next season of life. So do you guys promise you'll fill this out for me? Yes, please. Even, I see Adam, he graduated last year. Adam, I'm sure you have some advice you'd give to yourself a year ago, okay? So please fill this out and then you can leave them um, at the Welcome Center after service. I appreciate you guys so much. It's going to be great. Well, we are going to jump right into the word. And actually today, I'm going to tell you guys like a story found in scripture and I'm going to cover a lot of chapters and a lot of books, but I'm just going to tell you the story, okay? Sometimes that's a little more fun. So if you're like, what exactly are you reading from today? I'm starting in the beginning of Exodus and I'm taking you all the way to Joshua. So we're just going to cover a lot. I'm going to tell you the story of a man named Moses. I'm going to share uh, a little bit about a guy named Joshua and then we're going we're gonna to take away some things and I'm going to give you one practical this morning. Everyone say one practical. I'm only going to give you one thing that I really believe you can take away from this message. And whether you are the youngest person or the oldest person in this room, I truly believe that you can do this. So we're going to get ready for that. So there was a man named Moses. Now, some of you might have uh, grown up hearing this, the story. Maybe some of you have never heard it before. Some of us need a refresher. So just, just bear with me this morning. But there was a man named Moses. And when he was born, the people in his family and those um, that were God's people were in captivity. So he was really born into slavery, into captivity. He hadn't experienced a day of freedom from the, from the moment he was born. And he was loved so much by his mother that she could not bear to see him hurt. Because at the time, there was this evil guy named Pharaoh. Everyone say Pharaoh. And Pharaoh wanted all of these baby boys that were born, that were God's people, to be killed um, because he was afraid that one day they would all rebel against him and that they would escape their captivity. And like any evil king, he wanted to make sure that did not happen. And so he ordered that every baby boy that was born out of God's people would be killed. But Moses' mother, she couldn't bear to do that. And so she loved him so much that she hid him for as long as she possibly could. And when she could do that no longer because babies grow and they're loud and they, they kind of take up some space. So when she could no longer um, hide him, she placed him in a basket in the Nile River out of desperation that something miraculous might happen. And something did happen. Baby Moses was found by the daughter of Pharaoh. By the daughter of Pharaoh. And she took him as her own son, and raised him. 
There came a point in Moses' life where he was no longer a boy being raised in a palace, but a man who wanted to see for himself the reality of the oppression that was right outside his window. And he did. Because the, the family he was born into was being oppressed by the family he was raised with. So he's just like really put in this weird spot like, these people are taking care of me, and yet they're oppressing the very family that I was born into. So he's like, I, you know what? I'm going to see for myself. What is this all about? What's, what's this captivity? What's this reality that this evil King Pharaoh, kind of like my step-grandpa, wh- what is he doing to my people? And so he goes out for like the first time we see in scripture. He goes outside of the palace, and what he saw was nothing short of injustice and cruelty. He saw an Egyptian, the people oppressing, abusing an Israelite, the people being oppressed. And so he reacted. He killed the Egyptian and he hid the body in the sand. His actions soon became known and he ran. He ran away from the oppressors. He ran away from the oppressed. He ran away from Pharaoh. He ran away from everything he had ever known. And in the midst of running, he found a new place that would quickly become home. He married and he soon had children. And for the first time in his life, Moses truly had a family of his own, not a family that gave him up and not a family that uh, kind of held him into into a palace. Like he had his very own family. And I kind of relate to this. Uh, Since I preached last time, I've announced that my husband and I are expecting our first child. And so I'm about, yeah, right? I'm about to have a family of my own. It's like, it's really special. And I I can just like kind of feel Moses for the first time. Like he's going to have something of his very own and it's really, really precious something he had not experienced yet. And just when, and just when Moses has gotten into his new routine, he he was married, he had two sons, just when he got into a new way of living out of Egypt and being oppressed, he possibly maybe got comfortable for the very first time, God spoke to him. God spoke to him. Are you guys ever just like really comfy? And then God's like, can you go do that thing? And you're like, come on, I'm so comfortable. And in fact, God spoke to him on a mountain that Moses had walked across many times because he took care of his father-in-law's flock and he was like his right-hand man. And, and God spoke to him from a bush that was on fire, but it like wasn't burning up. It was kind of weird. And what happens next is nothing short of a promise, and that's where we're getting to today. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the good part. This is the good part. If you're engaged online, drop in the comments. This is the good part. This is what we're getting to today. Because today's message is titled, When All I See is Egypt. And we're getting to the point where God promises something. Exodus 3, verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. In verse 10, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Someone look at your neighbor and be like, this is the actual good part now. Like we said, it's the good part, but like this is the actual good part right now. It's about to happen. So God promised good and spacious land. And you're like, okay, that's a cool promise. Yeah, 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 I get it. 
But he promised it to the people that the promise seemed most impossible to. And why is that? Because they're in slavery. They're oppressed. They don't have the right to ownership. The kids that were born to the the Israelites during this time the promise was made, they had never experienced a day of freedom in their life. And so God just doesn't say, I'm going to promise you this or I'm going to promise you that. I'm going to promise you the very thing that seems most impossible to you right now. And these are, the, these are the people that God makes that promise to, the Israelites. And he says, I promise you the good and spacious land, but you know, you're going to have to go there because it's not in Egypt. It's actually far away. These people had been oppressed, abused, seen as property, mistreated. They'd never experienced freedom. To the people that the promise felt the most impossible to, these are the people that God looked at and said, I promise. I promise. Now, the words I promise, story time, the words I promise uh, are very familiar to me. I like to expose myself up here, like just things about my life that I'm not perfect at, so here we go. So every night before I go to bed, I've been kind of on this binge of watching an episode um, of TV. I'm not going to tell you what I watch because then everyone will judge me. It's not bad, but it's just an episode. It's an old show, old show, old show. And so Every time, uh, it's like the thing that makes me fall asleep. Does anybody watch TV falling? Like, that's your thing to get you to go to sleep? Okay. So the other thing that allows my husband and I to fall asleep is we have a fan running. So we go into our bedroom. Not TMI. Just like, we go into our bedroom, like, go into bed. And he turns the fan on. And, it, I mean, it's cooling. It's nice. We live in an apartment. We're about to move. So, like, our apartment just kind of... The AC doesn't work great. Like, it's just kind of junky, you know, that type of thing. So he turns the fan on so that he can fall asleep. And, but the thing is, I want to watch my episode, just my one episode before we fall asleep. So if he turns the fan on and I watch the episode at the same time, I'm going to have to turn the TV up a lot so I can clearly hear what the, the episode is about. And then at that point, you're just at a concert because it's so loud, you're not going to be able to fall asleep. Like, it kind of contradicts itself. And so, I, you guys, I'm not lying. This has happened for a month straight. He turns the fan on. He gets into bed. I turn the fan off. I get into bed. And I say... I'm going to watch my episode. I promise when the episode is over, I will get out of bed and I will turn the fan back on. I promise. I've said it 30 times at least. I promise. And he looks at me in the eyes and he says, woman, you're not going to get out of bed and you're not going to turn the fan on. And what has happened 28 out of those 30 times? He has Whip the covers up. You know, like the whip the covers up, they're mad. They're like, you like just get out. And he gets up, he turns the fan back on, he gets back in, whips the covers back over. And then I say, honey, I love you so much. You work so hard today. You're just amazing. But the words I promise, they're just so familiar to me because I promise, I promise, I promise. I'm going to turn the fan on. I'm going to turn the fan on. And then I just don't. And thank God that today's story found in Scripture, the, the stories we find of God promising something, he says, I promise, and those promises come true. They happen because it is a God who is faithful. And if you read through the book of Exodus, it's all about his faithfulness. It's all about him seeing these things come to pass. So God, he made a specific promise to his people. But here's the truth. 
Just like Pete, they didn't believe that the promise was going to like actually happen. Okay, they didn't believe that that this was possible. They were more aware of their circumstances and the master that drove them to slavery every morning when they woke up. And when God made the promise to his people, he chose to leave the due date blank. He chose to leave it blank. Moses and the Israelites knew the promise that God had made them, period. But what was still unknown was when would the promise be fulfilled? And through some events, you can't even make this stuff up if you read the book of Exodus. Uh, Through some events, the Israelites, they escape. So Moses, he goes back. He leads the people out of Egypt. They escape from Pharaoh. And then they're brought into like the desert or the wilderness, whatever you want to call it. And through some events, like plagues being sent, the Red Sea is parted, enemies are fought off, food falls from the ground. It's like we're watching Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Like food is literally falling from the ground. We sang about manna today, like that's what was falling from the, falling from the sky onto the ground. Water is made drinkable, a cure is set in the desert. Among so many incredible events that happen to God's people while they are on their way to experience a promise God had made to them. And a beautiful part about the promise is that as you read through the story of the Israelites in the desert or in the wilderness, you might pick up on something. It becomes clear that the promise is only as good as the one who made the promise. The promise is only as good as the one who made the promise. So, for example, when the Israelites are led out of, out of Egypt right away, they have to cross the sea. And the Egyptians decide that they want to chase them. They actually don't want them to experience freedom. And so God, he literally parts the Red Sea. The, his people walk through and, and the Egyptians don't touch them. And so the first miracle that happens when they're in the desert, the Israelites are like, okay, God, like we don't actually believe that we're going to have good and spacious land, but hey, you just did something that was impossible. You kind of did the miraculous. So I guess we'll say that your character, it's still good. I guess we'll say that the promise is still going to probably happen because of what you just did. Because the promise is only as good as the one who made the promise. Or they're in the desert. The Israelites are in the desert. They are hungry. Has anyone ever related to this? You are hungry. Okay, you are hungry, guys. Come on. We've all been there, especially when you're carrying a baby. Like, you are hungry. And they're, they're hungry. And they realize in the desert there's no food for them. And if they, if they go so long without food, what's going to happen? They're going to starve. Probably going to die. So they put A and B together and equal C. But then God's like, you know what? I'm going to get you to the promised land. I'm going to fulfill the promise that I made you. So guess what I'm going to send? I'm going to send manna and it's going to fall from the sky and you are going to be fed. And they were fed. So again, the promise seems impossible, but the one who made the promise, like it still seems good. His character is still faithful. So they're going to keep trusting that this, this promise that's made that's so impossible could possibly happen one day. And maybe you're like, Cynthia, where are we getting with this today? We're getting to the place where the promise is fulfilled. I know, spoiler alert, the promise is fulfilled. God keeps his promise. But, but I, what I want you to know is, as crucial as Moses is to this whole story, he actually never gets to experience the promise being fulfilled. He never gets to walk into the promised land, the good and spacious land, the land flowing with milk and honey. He never gets to do that. But do you know what he does experience? He experiences the character of God through every miraculous thing that happens to these individuals. He gets to experience the character of God 
And then when Moses uh, passes away, a guy named Joshua picks up, picks up like the staff, the baton, and he continues to lead these people because just because a person is dead doesn't mean the promise is dead. Moses is dead, but God's like, I still am going to fulfill this very impossible thing that I promised you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to Joshua 1, verse 1. We're going to read a few verses there to read and understand what Joshua uh, was spoken to by God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, he's dead. Now then, you and all these people... Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Moses' life is full of a promise made by God, and Joshua's life is a promise made by God, but it was fulfilled. Both Joshua and Moses, they saw the character of God. They both led the Israelites in the desert. They both obeyed God's instructions, and they both held on to the promise. Now, this morning, I want to give you two truths from this really big story. And what I love about Scripture is sometimes stories are wild, and we don't understand them. Sometimes we're like, oh, that's so good. Like, I'm going to quote that on my wall, or I want that story to be the one that I, like, tell forever. What I want to tell you about this story, there's two truths about it. The first one is that God sees people. God sees people. I know it seems so simple, and you, you can read the story, and you can pick up, pick up on it from the very beginning, but God sees people. What I can't get over is the whole book of Exodus. I'm talking a whole book, and the books after that, all the way up into Joshua, and, and th- really throughout the whole scripture, but through all of these miraculous, and these milestones as, as, that the Israelites get to, out of Everything that happens, it starts as a result of God seeing people. He tells Moses, I, I hear the cries. I see these people. They are oppressed and they are suffering from cruelty. And I see them and I'm going to do something about it. I'm not just going to let them stay and I'm not just going to hear their cries and not re- respond or do anything. I'm going to do something about it. And so what I, what I still can't get over is that these incredible, miraculous, divine, holy, you can't make this stuff up, happens as a result of God seeing people. He saw their oppression. He did something about it. He saw how they had been mistreated. He did something about it. God saw people. Seeing people is what ignited the miraculous, divine, and holy in the Old Testament. And sometimes, I know this isn't you, maybe it's just me, we, we think like, God sees people, it's so simple that it can't be like holy or churchy. No, God sees people and that's when the divine and miraculous happened. And so this week, I pray that you see people. You see someone and you do something about it. And I'm going to get to the practical in a moment, but God sees people. 
He sees them. He sees you. He sees me. He sees all of us. He saw me when I said I, I promise and I didn't follow through, okay? He saw me when I'm here at church worshiping. He sees me. He sees you. He sees those who are oppressed, and he chose to do something about it. The second truth this morning, and this one, I, I hope that it either challenges you or encourages you, depending on what season of life you're in. When all you see is Egypt, God sees the promised land. When all you see is the impossible, when all you see is the, the thing that it's just, it sucks and it's so hard, God sees the promised land. All the, all the Israelites could see was Egypt. All they could see was the, the master that drove them to slavery every morning. All they could see was probably the bruises on their bodies from being beaten because they weren't working hard enough. All they could see was their children who, in a, in a time where they should be growing up and having fun and being young, all they could see uh, was the cruelty that was happening to them. All that Moses' mother could see when her baby boy was born were all of these other babies dying because of what an evil king had decreed what should happen. And yet when all they could see was Egypt, God saw the promised land. When all they could see was slavery and bondage, God saw a good and spacious land. Now this morning, I don't know your Egypt. We use the term like Egypt for a season or something you're going through that seems impossible. I don't know your Egypt. I know that when I was in my Egypt, and, and it's not just a one-time thing. You know, like you have hard times and you see the impossible in your life through different seasons. It's not just a one-time thing. But when all I saw was Egypt, God saw me. And he loved me. And when you're in the impossible, when you're in something really hard, I'm going to get to a list of like things that could possibly be someone's Egypt. When you're in those moments, it's really easy to doubt and not believe that God is still going to bring you to the promised land. And when I doubted and I didn't believe that things could get good when they felt impossible, guess what? God didn't shame me. He simply said, I love you and I'm gonna, I see you. And I still know that even though you can only see Egypt, I see the promised land. He gave, me, he gave me friends to pray for me. He sent people to encourage me. And let me tell you, when you're in your Egypt, that's when God isn't just like a choice. You really like, you experience a God who's like, I need him. Like it was the, when I was in my Egypt, it was the first moment in my entire walk with Jesus that I was like, I, I need you. Like this sucks so much and I can't see the promised land, but I need you. And that's, that's really where the Israelites are at. Like, when they're in Egypt, they can't believe it's possible that they'll get to the good and spacious land. But do you know what they realized? They needed God. He was the only one who could make it possible. They couldn't see the borders of the promised land, but God could. He could see it all. He was already there. And if you can't see the good in the impossible situation you are in right now, I know who can. And he is a God who is faithful, and he has always been faithful. This morning, okay, can you guys bear with me for a second? I want everyone to close their eyes, but not, like, we're not going to, I'm not, nothing's going to happen to you. Everyone just close your eyes. I need to get my point across, and, like, I need you guys to actually experience it. So everyone just close your eyes. I'm not going to close mine because I got to read the screen, but you guys just close your eyes. Okay, with your eyes closed... Do you still have hope? You can, you can talk, but with your eyes closed. Do you still have hope when your eyes are closed? Okay. 
Do you feel like less of a Jesus follower because your eyes are closed? You might feel a little sus because everyone else's eyes are closed. But you still feel like a Jesus follower. With your eyes closed, do you feel like you have less faith than you do when your eyes are open? Like truly, do you feel like you have less faith right now that your eyes are closed? Okay, you can open your eyes back up. Whether your eyes are closed or whether they're open, your faith does not change. You still have hope. So this morning, when all you can see is Egypt, God sees the promised land. What you can or cannot see is is not what determines your faith. When you see Egypt, God sees the promised land. Just because you can't see Egypt right now, or just because that's all you can see right now, that's not what's just there. And so when it's so easy and it's it just feels like most realistic to look around and say this is impossible right now I'm I'm struggling with something I, I just want to encourage you that I know that's all you can see but our eyes are not what determines our faith the God who is faithful the God who always comes through and and follows through on his promises that is the God that I put my faith in not not on what I can see in the circumstances that I'm in right now so you, you might be like, okay, you keep, you keep seeing the, saying the word Egypt. What does that mean in 2023? Um, life is really hard. Maybe someone you love died. Maybe someone you, you know or love, they're sick. You're taking care of them. Maybe finances are burying you. Relationships with family or friends are on thin ice. Maybe a relationship with your child who's grown up is just like, you cry about it because it's just not where you thought it would be. Maybe you're experiencing a breakup, you had a miscarriage, you're experiencing infertility, someone who is uncertain of who God created them to be. Maybe an unplanned pregnancy where options are being looked into. Maybe individuals adjusting to just really big things, and it just feels so hard and impossible. Maybe a traumatic experience. Maybe you're going through, like, the terrible two-phase with your kids, and, like, that just feels like an Egypt right now. You know what I'm saying? which, Lord, please let my child just not experience that. You can pray that, right? You can be like, my child is not going to experience the terrible twos, which I, I haven't, like, really announced it yet, but we're having a daughter, so I think she's going to, I'm convinced, yes. I'm convinced she's going to look just like Pete, and she's going to be as funny as me. So she's just going to be, like, the perfect combination of all of it. But... Whatever your Egypt is, and I just gave some big examples. Sometimes they, they feel a lot bigger, and maybe they don't, they're not even on the list, okay? Here's your one practical this morning. When someone you know is in their Egypt, I want you to pray for them, but then I want you to do one more thing. This week, a friend texted me, and she was just going through a lot, struggling, and I right away, I said, girl, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. I want you to be encouraged today. And I sent the text. And then I was like, and while I did pray for her, and while I think prayer is so powerful, I was like, you know what? I can do one more thing. I can do one more thing, right? And so I texted her. I said, what do you want at work tomorrow? I'm going to door dash you something. And you know what her response was? Oh, no, honey, you don't have to do that. Like, it's okay. I'm fine. It's, seriously, you don't have to do that. And you want to know what I texted her back? I said I wasn't asking, period. 
what do you want for lunch tomorrow, question mark. Because sometimes when you're the one in Egypt, like it, it feels hard to let someone else help you. But if we're going to be a community that says, I'm going to do one more thing, then if you're in your Egypt, you have to let someone do one more thing for you. And you have to be an individual who says, I'm going to do one more thing. Uh, maybe it is door dashing a meal. I know door dash is so expensive, but come on, like one thing for one person. Uh, a handwritten card. Does anyone just like feel very sentimental when someone writes them a card? Like it's just so sweet, okay? Maybe it's just because I'm going to be a mom. I don't know. Buy them a coffee or a tea or ice cream. I, I don't know, a meal. Listen to what they have to say. You can even ask them, like, what is one thing I can do in addition to praying for you? I'm not trying to downplay prayer. It is so powerful. Keep praying. But you can, if you can do one more thing for one more person. And here's what I want to finish with saying about that. You might be the only person that knows about their Egypt. And if we just assume that somebody else is going to do something for them, we can't assume that anymore. You might be the only person. And hey, maybe you're one of 100 people who know about it. Great. You can still do one more thing. Like, just be aware that someone lets you in on something that they're going through. It's, like, really hard to talk about those things. So either you can, can be the one person who does one more thing, or you can be one of 50 people who do one more thing for that person. It's still going to make a difference in their life. Because Egypt sucks, and it's really hard when someone's going through the impossible, something that just feels so heavy on them. And so this morning, I want to challenge you, if you're not going through an Egypt, I'm sure you know somebody who is, and you can do that one more thing. And if you are going through an Egypt this morning, please let one person in, and I, and I pray that that one person does one more thing for you, because I truly believe that as a community, we can be stronger when we work together and we, we believe for the impossible. We believe that the good's going to happen. And also we can do something practical right now to encourage somebody who's going through their Egypt. If you guys want to stand up, I want to pray for you this morning. You guys, you promised me you would fill this out. Okay? You promised me. So don't be like Cynthia Ortega who says, I promise. Don't actually do it. Okay? Okay? Uh, if you guys want to bow your heads, I'm going to pray for you this time. I'm not going to make you just keep your eyes closed. And I just pray, God, today that for anyone who's going through their Egypt, it's just a hard season, a, a time that feels heavy, God, that you would first off encourage them. And Lord, we know that when all we can see is Egypt, you can already see the good. You can see the promised land. You can see the things that um, are good and spacious. So God, thank you for being a God who is going to follow through. Help us as individuals who are maybe going through a season that's not Egypt. I pray that we would encourage, we would pray, and God, we would do one more thing. And I hope that that doesn't feel overwhelming to someone today who has a plate that's already full, but I pray that that is a challenge to say, I can just do one more thing. And I know it might feel small, God, but I know that you can take something that's so small and multiply it into something that's so much bigger than what I can even fathom. I pray that you would bless these people today Thank you for letting them be a part of a community that is continuing to grow closer to you in our relationship. Thank you for our class of 2023. And I pray that the words of wisdom that will be on these papers will encourage and give life and hope to those who are graduating this season. Thank you for today. In your name, I pray.